see how I feel about it. Like, I guess they have the mind that you'll play through it multiple times and see new stuff. But that's not me. Yeah, like I, I just remember like getting confused pretty quickly with the demo at PAX. I was just like, all right, like there's not many pieces to be fair. Like they say they wanted to stream down the inventory, so you only have like three items that could be used. So it should be kind of obvious what you have to do. But yeah. in practice, like I just watched a puzzle where it's like you throw a sausage on a on a stake and then the monster comes. But then you have to go up top and drop a thing on him to Yeah, so you have to, once you learn that you have to go back. So you have to go back sausage. Other... You just watched the same thing I did on Giant. Yeah, Bunk. yeah. The that was the puzzle. I was just like, "Oh, well he ate the hot dog. What?" And then I just got like annoyed and walked away. Um, yeah. so Patience, I guess, is a virtue in all of these, but I'm not sure. Which is something you don't have anymore. I have no patience anymore. It's like, look, I played Hotline Miami. It was like right immediate doing stuff instantly. If If you were one of the lucky ones to actually get it started working perfectly fine, then yeah, yeah, it's immediate. (laughs) I guess for me, actually, my first experience was trying to switch it to controller support and then exiting out of the entire game. Um, and then starting it up again. But I don't know after- if I could play that game with a controller after doing the mouse and find it, finding it hard enough with that. I don't think so. Like, I have that feel down now, so it's just like learning it all over again. Like, it's like I- learning how to walk all over again or something. Yeah, it's just too weird. I'm not sure I'd be able to pull off the same stuff. Um... So yeah, I don't know. I'll. I, I, it's the first release of the year. I'm kind of like, well, I have to check this out. You know, Devil May Cry. Well, I mean, I was going to say DMC, and then I saw stuff for DMC, and I was talking some trash about it, and I don't know if John appreciated that at all, but Mm -hmm. it it looks dumb. So. Well, that's, like, that's even, uh, the repository reviews I've, I've read is like, well, it's dumb. Like, there's a soda company that has some ancient Satanist ties or something. Like, it's ridiculous. No, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about the story, because if we're talking about story and Devil May Cry, like, yeah. it's always been stupid. Yeah. The thing I think is dumb is how the demons are, like, saying, fuck you, Dante, in text and stuff like that, and he's swearing all the time, and that's like ridiculous. Trying to be hardcore or something, it's just striking you as... Kind of, and it's just dumb, hard. yeah. Okay. Hmm? Well, like, you were kind of complaining about, like, the words flashing up on the screen, I was just like... Oh, Far Cry 3. Like, oh, worst. well, I told you, that's the worst part of that, too. Yeah, lick. That word is in there. Like, and if we want to get down to that, mm-hmm. that's, only in the, that's only in the loading screens. That's not all the time in the game. Oh, it's not, like, in the, in the, on the walls, in the platforming and stuff. Like, I guess your Splinter Cell Conviction comparison was close, but I wish more stuff would kind of do that. Maybe like projected cutscenes happening within gameplay, you know. That's not the problem though. Like with Splinter Cell Conviction, I like the way they did that because the shadows on the building would be like sneak up on this guy or something or like infiltrate this building. Yeah, and it was very clean. It was a way to give you a mission objective without a weird hub thing coming up, mm-hmm. and it was kind of cool. And Devil May Cry, it's literally stuff like obesity on the wall. And stuff like that. And like another word that's actually 
Uh, yeah, another word on the wall is literally stupidity and stuff like that. Like, it's just ridiculous. Okay. I don't like that at all. Alright. I'm not especially keen to play just, like, any kind of linear action platformer right now. I just don't want to do that. So, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'll, I'm I'll probably be, with you. I'm fine. Um, I'm fine. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm fine. I don't, I don't need it. Thanks, Capcom. I'm good. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm not buying. Yeah. Know, whatever. Have you played that Kentucky Route Zero or whatever? No, I finally read a tweet today that made me more curious about it. Because, like, basically everything I'd heard was just like, hey, adventure game. And I was like, I don't, I don't know, dude. I don't know if I want to play an adventure game right now. Um, I want to play that game. It looks neat. Uh, J- Ryan Davis said David Lynch is what it reminded him of. So that's where I didn't like, watch the oh. little quick look they did, huh? I didn't watch the quick look, no. Okay, because oh. that actually made me want to play it. Yeah, I'm I, I'm more kind of at a weird point right now where I'm just like, well, do I pay seven dollars and see if I even like it, or just pay him twenty five right now? What if I hate it though? So just like, mm-hmm. there's no complete my album type option where it's just like, all right, I'm in. Here's the re- my eighteen other dollars. Like it seems like at that point I'm kind of boned and I have to pay seven per episode, or like, do you feel like, do you feel like you were boned when you did it for Walking Dead? Um, not on Steam because it was twelve fifty. Like it was on sale, so I was like, "Oh, I save money," you know. Like, oh, okay. Just, just through his website, it's not on Steam or anything, so it's just like, it's either pay this guy or don't play it. So I'm just like, I don't know. I don't even know if I like it. So maybe I'll watch that video and see if I like how it plays. Because like, I like how it looks, but I liked how another world looks. But I hate playing it because it's like yeah. it should be a movie. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm curious though for sure because it, like, it got all that IGF attention and everything. It's on the same platform as a bunch of stuff I do like a lot, so maybe it's great. Maybe. But, yeah. Have you been playing anything interesting since we last talked? We haven't talked much, so. Uh, I've been kind of just wandering around looking for something to sink into again. Um, I've actually I've been playing a good amount of Splunky again, and I played the last part of the Alduin quest line in Skyrim. Okay, so yeah. Probably play more Skyrim at some point once time. That's a pretty it. good that's a pretty good quote unquote end to that game. Yeah, I was I was into it. Definitely had a lot more like investment or something than in Oblivion story. Like I can't really tell you what happened other than so, like I went back to the city, some big creature appeared or something. Uh, did you beat Oblivion? I didn't finish it. I didn't care about Oblivion very much. Yeah, Oblivion I, Gates, dude. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, I kind of liked that it wasn't especially hard because I was like beefed up. So I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm like the best archer in the world. So po- put poison arrows on there, equip my best arrows, and I shot a dragon and killed it. Whatever. So, yeah. like, if you, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't like an arbitrarily tough pattern memorization boss battle or any crap like that like people complain about the combat in skyrim a lot i kind of like how funky it is like it's just like you just club the thing or hit it with an arrow like it's not stylish it's just you know crude in a way that kind of makes sense to me it's just like yeah if you hit something with a big heavy thing it's not gonna you know be easy or fun it's just gonna you hit it you clubbed it yeah 
it I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm mostly shooting stuff and I still find arrow stuff satisfying. Like the dungeon that led up to it where you're going against all those like Dragor Dark Lords or whatever. Yeah. I quite like that because all the dungeons I've been playing like prior to that, at some point they just became stupid easy. And that was at least like, like the, fa- right. the Falmer. Yeah, like it's just like one shot killing everything, stabbing everybody. Like it was it was still kind of fun, but it's like I've done this so many times now, like this is just ridiculous. That one at least required me to be on my toes a little bit more, so I was like, cool, man, that was great. And then collecting gold and everything. Got me right back dra- in quickly. The but, dragon priests are so much harder than like the actual dragons. Um I'm trying to remember what kind of Oh the, yeah, the, there was one guy at this weird portal thing. And that was a bit of a bit of a business right there. I didn't die though. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It no. was neat to see how quickly I could just pick up that game again and just get right back in it. Um, get lost in it again. Even like even though I the PC one like was working and everything, it's just like I lost all that progress. Like it just felt weird to kind of try to start up again, because you'll be revisiting so much stuff. Although on this one, I realized I haven't done Dark Brotherhood anything yet, and I'm nowhere near finishing the Thieves Guild, which is stuff I did do on the PC. So I'm kind of yeah. Spot again, but even even when I got it like going okay, I couldn't ever optimize it to the point where it was like as stable as the 360 version. Like it would be like these textures look way better, but then if I wander in here, the frame rate dies. So yeah. Ugh. Whereas 360 is like it's kind of never as it doesn't hit the same highs ever, but it's just kind of stable. Just right, you know, twenty some frames a second all the time, and I'm just like fine, I'll I'll just deal with that. Plus, it gets all the DLC first, but they finally announced that's coming to PS3, so the wait is For over. free, too, right? Uh, it's half off. Um, oh, half off, okay. 50% off for the first week. Um, sorry for the wait, Is I guess is kind of the vibe on that, because it's been a while. It's kind of gross how they did that side of the fan base, but oh well, at least it's happening. Um, yeah. but yes, yeah, more than anything, I got, I got the computer version of Skyrim just to quickly go back on that is because I want to do the steam workshop stuff that people yeah. have been doing. I'm thinking like, if I ever go back to that version, I'll just be able to mess around a bit. Just be like, what would this be like with a car or something stupid? And like, Santa Claus. Yeah. Put Santa hats on stuff. Maybe, maybe, some maybe reindeer. I'll Pinkie Pie or something. Whatever. <laughs> there I'll you stop. go. I've seen that video. It's pretty funny. But um, mm-hmm. I, if if briefly briefly on that note, I like this last week's episode. It's the best one of the season so far. But I don't need to elaborate. It's just which one? The, the My Little Pony. Discord. Returns. Oh, yeah. But okay. they reformed a villain, which is something I really liked about the first villain in the whole series. Is like you know, friendship truly conquered everything, and they made a bad person a good person. And they did that again. Right. Like, yeah, nice. That's that's the attitude of the show I like. The last the last time we saw this villain, he was just like blasted with magic and turned to stone, which doesn't fit what I like about it. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was happy with it. But um, what video games, mods, Skyrim, Spelunky? I played more Spelunky. How um, far have you gotten in Spelunky now? Uh, thanks to a jetpack. I managed to get to the Tunnel Man again in the end of the jungle, so I've almost finished the second tunnel. Um, okay. Far, farthest I ever made was the ice place again. I got 
I, I felt kind of, I got a little cocky, because I was like, I got a jetpack and a shotgun, whatever, I'm invincible. Um, so I met this, like, giant alien thing that's, like, this psychic alien, and I was like, I'm just going to shoot this thing, I'm awesome, and then I died. But, yeah. Um. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, the chat is talking about ponies now. I apologize. I just had to bring it up. Oh. It, it was I actually that... have it minimized. Are they being good about it, at least? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Um, there is a documentary that just came out about the whole thing too that I'm very nervous about watching because it could be just the cringiest thing that's ever happened, or I might be okay. happy about it. Um, it was a Kickstarter project, but oh, I remember you telling me about this one time when we were walking to Chinook Mall. Yeah. Um, I remember that specifically. The BronyCon thing. Yeah. Chinook. Why were we walking to Chinook Mall? Going to see a movie? We met up oh, at a train station, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think Battleship, probably. Oh, that's, yeah. That's the most distinct time I remember walking away from the mall looking for a um, bus stop or whatever. What was the... There were some things we missed talking about last week. Oh, Zero Dark Thirty. Do you want to get into that now? Uh, Yeah, I do. Um, okay. Okay. You haven't said... You've been eerily quiet about this on Twitter. Yeah. Because I... I guess it just kind of... I don't know how to kind of summarize it, but... I didn't. I found it meandering. I did... Here's the thing. Like, I was kind of just on edge the whole time as to, just to be kind of like... I think, that, like, this could go really wrong. Because, like, the thing I said in the one podcast was... Um, I won't know how I feel about the movie until two hours and 28 minutes into the movie. Like, until the thing happens. Until the thing happens, and they make clear what their attitude towards the thing happening was, right? Because, like, I was just kind of like, I don't know, like, this could be perceived as kind of pro-American, provided they like this character. Like, what you said about Maya, like, the main character, like, are we supposed to like her? I don't know. Like, I don't think See, the thing with me, and, like, if we're gonna get maybe overly political about stuff or whatever. I think Maya is the perfect representation in one character that all of America, I think has felt about this Osama bin Laden thing where you know, it, it just, so, sorry, go on. No, no, sorry. That's, that's kind of the thing I've come to reflecting on it. Like, I think I kind of respect a lot of things about the movie because of that reason, but sorry, continue, I guess. And I'll, I'll, once you've explained what you're saying, I can add on to that. Well, I mean, the thing with her is uh, she starts off right out of, like, Harvard or Yale or one of these universities or whatever, and she gets thrown in there as a rookie. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of see her start unraveling and becoming, like, some might say a badass, but I would say, like, I don't know, just, like, revenge hungry. There's a point where she literally is just like, you're going to go there and you're going to fucking kill him for me. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh, okay, so this is the attitude we're going with now which I didn't like very much because what I liked about Zero Dark Thirty is a lot of the stuff they do was very reminiscent of a really good like detective thriller, like whodunit type mystery where they're looking for these people. Yeah. And that and that part felt weird to me when I realized that they got all their information that led to the thing via torture, so it became this weird thing that's like, oh, this isn't pro-American so much as it's pro-torture. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was and... pro-torture, though. It's just kind of they use torture. Like, the attitude... Well, if you're, so, if, you're supposed, 
if you're supposed to hate Osama bin Laden and the way they actually get him in the end was through torture, that that gives people the reasoning that torture is a good thing to get what you want. That's well, pro-torture. Here's kind of the weird thing. Like, I think the movie kind of expects you to have a lot of baggage coming into the movie. Like, that's kind of a thing. I like they open Understandably. With- yeah, like, they open with, like, two minutes or something of just 9-11 voicemails and, like, a black screen. And, like, I was just sitting there, like, oh, okay. Like, I've heard a lot about, you know, 9-11, like, misery about it post that, like, 11 years of that kind of. So I wasn't especially, like, caught up by that or whatever. But mm-hmm. I guess that's just supposed to, like, refresh all the, like, bad memories people have with that time. So they're just like, yeah, man, that that happened. And then, like, they're kind of, throughout the movie, peppering in, like, a terrorist attack here or there, like, bl- them blowing up a bus or something, just kind of remind you why they're doing anything. But I wasn't, like, I didn't really care. Like, I, I don't know if that's, like, just me being cynical or whatever, but I don't really care that much. I'm not that invested in that story. Like, I don't think I it's didn't that- care. I didn't care either, but you have to remember we're Canadians and we're far enough removed, I think, that maybe we just won't care very much. I know. Like, so I'm thinking that partially explains, like, the way the American press has been reacting to this movie. I I don't know how, like, diverse Rotten Tomatoes is or Metacritic, really, but critics seem to uniformly love this movie. And I'm not sure if that's, like, part of it is, like, where they're from or whatever, because they, they just kind of hit the ground and start going with stuff, and they, they skip over a bunch of years and stuff. They don't really explain their characters that much. Like, I just was like, who is this? I don't, I don't really care. And then, like, sp- no, whatever, spoilers. Like, a friend of her dies at some point, and I was just, like, t- completely unmoved by it. Like, it was just, like, I saw that that was where that scene was going, like, five minutes before it happened, and I was just like, yeah, okay. Okay. Like, to the mm-hmm. point where I'm like, yeah, leaving it, I was like, I'm not sure if the movie thought I was getting emotionally invested in that, or if it was just being super kind of, like, straightforward about it. Like, it's just like, I'm not going to sugarcoat this up. It's just, this is what happened. Like, a very clinical, clinical might be a word, procedural way but of But then the thing is, if... Stuff out. Right. If they if they're gonna go that way, why haven't they shown the terrorist attacks that were happening in Pakistan and stuff as well from the same sects? Mm-hmm. Everything that was shown had directly some involvement with like the main characters, kind of, which is fine. Yeah, like it seems like I guess what you're saying about the main character definitely makes it more of an interesting movie. But like more of an interesting movie academically, I will say like the minute to minute watching of this movie, I was kind of bored. Like it's yeah, no, after- totally. Like it. If you're just going to talk about it as a movie, it's not a good time. Like, I'm glad I didn't pay to go see it in a theater. Oh, okay. I, I did. And I, I I left feeling kind of just like, all right, well, like, that's a way to... Like, I'm, I'm glad I at least know what this is and whatever. But, like, yeah, I will say, like, the first 90 minutes of it, I was just, like, either bored or just kind of annoyed. And then yeah. once it got to, like, the mission, they seemed to kind of at least, like... It seemed the first point where the movie might have something to say that I could agree with, like just the way they handle. Like it's it's weird because like it's it's really weird. I almost compared part of it to Hotline Miami, like where you go in guns blazing, do the thing, and then they walk out, 
and them walking back through the mission area, they kind of like see the bodies, and, and like one of the soldiers. Just well, no, like, it was the dude. It was the dude bringing the body bag in. He saw the aftermath that he wasn't part of. Yeah, like, but that they had that kind of reflection on what just happened after it happened. Like that was the turning point of the, in the movie for me, for where I went from like kind of hating it to being like, oh, okay, all right, at least this has something going on. And then it was a nice gritty representation too of what probably went on. Yeah, like a very like I could buy that as like a real military like thing that happened. Like it was like so like, just rehearsed, like just not rehearsed, but like so they those guys know exactly what they're doing. Like they're they're per, like cautious in all the right ways and everything. Maybe get get their blood up a little bit here and there though. Like he shoots that woman at one point, and it's just kind of like whoa, that's a little I don't know. But, like, you can get why he would do that. Because like, she reached for the gun. Yeah, like, it, it's like, it it doesn't really judge those characters either way. It's just their job kind of thing, like those yeah. military guys. So that, yeah. I was like, okay, like, that that is how to treat that, I guess. And then that, that Jessica Chastain's character finally has, like, a, a emotional reaction at the end of the movie. Was like, okay, well... I'm going to read into this like, yeah, she is a bit of a representation of the way some members, like some people in the United States were about this is like very narrow, very focused and bloodthirsty about this whole thing. Then it happened and they didn't know how to feel about it. You know, like totally. then they realized what they did or something like it's finally- understandable, too, because yeah. I mean, death should never be something that you just take easily, especially when it's something like that. Mm hmm. And so, I don't think they do take it easily. Like, nobody cheered or anything. It was character actually does. Um, well, they cheer when they get back, and I just took that as, like, hey, we made it back alive, sort of, like, an anxious type of cheer, not like, a, hey, we did it, we killed this dude type of cheer. Well, like, there was the line, too, like, hey, do you know what you just did to the guy who had the kill shot or whatever? Like, yeah. that kind of, like, dude, do you know who you just shot? Like, that kind of moment. But, like, that's a thing those dudes would totally say. Because they'd been kind of, like, revved up to go do this thing the whole time. You know? So, I, I, I wasn't annoyed by that either. I will say, like, I wasn't I wasn't sure if it was because I was in an, a Canadian theater or what. But, like, the crowd was really silent for, like, most of the movie. Like, there wasn't laughter or anything. It was just kind of, like... Apparently in the States there was cheering. That's really weird. At the end. Like, I That's I find that weird because but, like yeah I don't... like I've read reviews where they said like people would cheer at that part. That's so weird because like that is I don't think that movie actually, but actually that might be exactly what the movie is good at is like laying it out in such a straightforward way that you could cheer and then you see that the character who did it who should be cheering like the loudest isn't happy about it and hopefully you go home conflicted. I think that's, like, the best you could hope for from this movie is, like, people go to it, expect that, like, release, that payoff or whatever, and then don't get it and have to think about it, you know? Well, no matter what, you're always going to have people that take things in their own context, right? Like, someone could come home from seeing Silence of the Lambs thinking, I should totally kidnap girls and wear their skin. Yeah, it's not... Like, you're always going to... just need a van. I have a van. You're always going to have people thinking, like, a weird way that maybe the people that made the film didn't intend i guess but like i i just feel like that it ends on that moment with like her crying is just like i hope you understand that this is invalidating what happens really like it's 
it doesn't seem to anyway. I and know. for some people, it will be a movie where they caught the terrorist and yay America, and that's fine. But I'm glad that the film, the people that made the film, didn't mm-hmm. go in that obvious direction. Right. Although I guess I will say, like as I was watching it, I was still kind of thinking like. Just by existing, this movie kind of treats this as though it's more important than I think it is. So, yeah, like, it's it's kind of like I'd put it in a similar thing. Like, I recently found out, um, in light of, like, what happened in Connecticut and everything, people were talking about the movie Elephant again. Like, about... Oh, why would people talk about that movie again? Well, it won Palm d'Or and stuff. Like, it was... It actually was received quite well by critics for a little bit. But there were that also... movie's not that good, though. Ah, I I guess I I like kind of how it plays with the time, like how it's just this meditation on a day or whatever. But it's it's problematic in the same way. Like this is this is a school of critical thought. I've I've recently found out. I think it was Ebert might have said this too. Like just by existing, it's kind of glorifying what happened. Like it's like kind of it's too curious about these criminals, and it'll kind of subtly just inherently encourage other things like this to happen. Because you're kind well, of no, because what it says is this was important enough of a thing that we should yeah. do a film on it, right? So by saying like this is important and interesting, you're kind of unconsciously or not like you're kind of saying like we think crime of this morbid nature is really interesting, and we're gonna. It is kind of it is it. kind of important and interesting though. I guess, but it it's like, a pretty big thing to happen in the world. School shootings or Bin Laden? Oh, sorry, not school shootings, Bin Laden. Okay. <laughs> I I guess, but... I, I guess that was another aspect of it. Like, there is a point in the movie where she says there's two narratives about Bin Laden that are really popular in the public mindset. He's in a cave somewhere, or he is in a bunker in a city somewhere. And for the decade that was between like to that like 9-11 and them killing him in may or whatever of 2011 i just i was under the impression like yeah he was he was just some old guy somewhere in a cave so yeah some people like my friend ryan was kind of like well this movie lays out the fact that he was still connected to the terrorist network and he was still doing bad things so that kind of justifies it and i was just i guess you know i suppose but I don't know. I still like just the whole, like all the stuff with 9/11 in general. Like I I'm still curious like how many people have died in the war on terror and stuff. Like can you really at all justify what's happened over the past decade? Like no matter um, what going on cuz like at some point it seems like a kind of un like a like even the end scene kind of shows it. Like it's just like you have a couple people at home with AKs versus, like, dudes with stealth helicopters and, like, night vision and all this sweet kit. Like, it's just like, this isn't a fair fight at all. Like, come on. You know? Like, See, it's that's like, not the part that bothered me, though. It's like, like... Okay. I think what was weirder to me, if we're gonna be talking about was it worth it sort of thing, is that there's a part in the movie where she's told to go home and work on protecting the homeland from the homeland. Yeah, and then it become then from there it becomes a revenge flick, and it's kind of this idea like, well, it's more important to kill this guy who did this thing this one time rather than try to help out the people at home that are still being afflicted by terrorist sex all over the world. Yeah, like th- that they kind of set up a thing like where her friend dies, and then it becomes a personal revenge mission, 
did seem kind of like I didn't care for that. Like, yeah, like yeah. did we really just boil this whole thing down to a revenge story? Like, it does seem maybe a little disingenuous to it, but again, maybe that's kind of symbolic of just how like straightforward the like some like the military powers that be or whatever are like how she was just kind of so focused on exactly one thing like that's what her life was for kind of thing yeah. i yeah i'm i'm not really sure but yeah I, I still keep coming back to the fact like even if there was some interesting stuff to ponder after it was over or whatever with how they treated the ending or whatever like the two and a half hour experience of watching it was really just not engaging like there was whole scenes that i was just like I don't care about this. Like, I get it's detailed and whatever, but I just don't care about anyone who's talking right now or what they're saying. And, like, I, I think that's, pr- like, partly maybe on me just not being as engaged in the material. Like, maybe you'll find this interesting. But I kept thinking to Munich, which is another movie about kind of, like, a fa- like a historical bad thing happens and this is the revenge crew, but then they kind of have to go through this weird kind of thoughts on what they're doing and whether it's worth it and all that like it's kind of a similar arc to the story but like the minute to yeah. minute that movie is so much more interesting like the characters i just was way more invested in and like the i just got caught up in that movie in a way this movie never managed to do and like maybe yeah like that might just be a relativity thing like maybe i find the inner workings of Mossad so much more interesting because they're so much less known whereas like i've heard some cia stories and i already have thoughts about the cia so I'm kind of like coming in with, yeah, I'm I'm actually coming in with the mindset like the CIA are kind of dirtbags, so I you're gonna have to do a lot with this character to make me think anything other than they're a dirtbag. Oh, you're not gonna do that? All right. So I'm just kind of like have this preconceived notion in my head that none of these people are good people, and they don't give me mm-hmm. really reasons to turn that around. Like, although I felt there were a few moments that were trying to do that, like with her friend, she's like making a cake or something. And, like, she's laughing and talking and being jokey and stuff. And I was just like, oh, they want me to care about this character, so I'll care when she dies. Nope. Like, Yeah, what? and, I mean, it, was it not blatantly obvious what was going to happen at the part it happens? So obvious. Like, to yeah, the point okay. where, like, is this supposed to be, like, this forecast? Or, like, there's no way there's going to be this whole scene and then it's a ten minutes of dialogue or something. Like, it's like, this scene is playing out right now and it's gonna go bad okay there there yeah. is like yeah yeah so i i will say i did get more out of it than hurt locker like Catherine bigelow's last film like i just found that film just kind of worthless i just didn't think about it after seeing it at all like it's just like okay there there are people who are addicted to war all right yeah like, i don't know Th- this one at least maybe just because it's a bigger story or that last chapter is kind of strong but I at least I, I more so respect this movie existing. But yeah. it's a very have you seen some of the tweets people have said after seeing Zero Dark Thirty? No, like uh, well, I mean, I saw Patrick Klepek. Him po- he posted something about it, like how it's not a flag waving finale or whatever, which is fair. But no, on Reddit there was like so- saying something about these terrible tweets, and I have it up here if you wanted to hear a few of them. Okay. So, Zero Dark Thirty makes me want to shoot Arabs with assault rifles. I uh, just saw Zero Dark Thirty. Arab guys on the bus making me nervous. Should I waterboard him? Is that racist? Zero Dark Thirty makes me hate Muslims. 
that awkward moment when you're sitting in the movie theater for Zero Dark Thirty and the back two rows are filled with Arabs. Hashtag don't kill me. I want to go shoot brown people now while wearing night vision goggles just because of how badass Zero Dark Thirty was. Hashtag America. See, that seems like... Like, that's... Like, are they trolling or are they sincere? Because, like... I don't feel like I don't know. I Why guess... don't you ask Kelly Marie, Colton Wingrove, Dalton Rowe, Evan Linares, and Tanner Bridges? Mm-hmm. Go ask them directly, because that okay. shit's disgusting. There is one aspect of this movie's whole thing that does kind of weird me out: that they have some any manner of partnership with Medal of Honor for like a map pack. That's kind of weird. Like that's just disingenuous yeah. to the entire thing, and that's like. That's probably their marketing people. Like, that's probably has nothing to do with Catherine Bigelow or, like, anybody involved. But it's still so weird to me. Like, that that was on a poster or something. It's like, download the map pack for Medal of Honor Warfighter. It was just like, all right. As a person who has, like, been thinking more and more about how amoral... Video game violence does stuff. Video games are. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, there's even less context provided in a video game. So there's no way they'll be able to make that anything other than kind of a gross shooting fish in a barrel thing. Like, I don't know. Like, that that shouldn't exist, probably. I don't know. I haven't played it, but that seems troublesome. I kind of wish that wasn't a part of this puzzle. But, yeah. yeah. And, like, yeah, I'm thinking, like, a lot of, like, me- like modern warfare kind of mentality is going... Or, like, active valor is probably a better thing. Like, if you loved active valor... And you're coming into this movie. Maybe you won't see the subtler elements of this movie, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, like yeah, it's either. it's kind of a troublesome movie by existing, but at least it thought through some of its pro- like problematic possibilities more than I thought it would. Um, yeah. Th- but yeah, I I just found a lot of elements of the, just the characters and like the dialogue and how things were playing out just kind of not enjoyable which should it be enjoyable i think it should at least hold your attention like you know like munich holds your attention that doesn't mean it's being dismissive of its subject matter this just kind of fell flat in a lot of ways and i i yeah that was that was me Mm -hmm. um gangster squad isn't very good i know like i wanted to get uh our new writer here that we have on the site, the movie writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my god, I just forgot his name. Matt Jamieson? Yeah, that's that's correct. But he was unable to make it because he's three hours ahead of us, and I don't believe he gets home from work for another hour. Oh, okay. So that wasn't, that wasn't going to work. But uh, I know you and him talked very, very briefly about that, and it seems like you were both like, this stuff didn't actually happen. Like... So. Not only that, like, I mean, that was more very clear, like, after reading the wiki article about Mickey Cohen or whatever. Like, it's just like, wow, this really elaborated on a lot of stuff. But just the way it plays out, too, like, it's just like, there's no way this happened. Like, this just seems so cartoony and ridiculous. And I get the argument that it's emulating gangster movies from, like, the 30s and 40s, like, James Cagney type stuff. That doesn't make it any less good, you know? Like, it's like oh, you just don't get it, bro. It's an illusion. It's just like, no, it's dumb. Like, I, it, maybe those old movies aren't good either. I'm going to raise that opinion. Like, sorry to weird you out. 
that's been a thing this week is like I keep bumping up against this kind of thing. Like if a thing is old enough, it just kind of has a reputation now and you're not supposed to talk about it. It's just like Casablanca is one of the greatest movies ever. Didn't you know? And you're just like, "Ah, it's not very good. What? How dare you, sir? It's just not. I don't know. It's kind of flatly directed. Humphrey Bogart. Ooh, you know. Whatever. It's no De Niro. Wait, what does the ooh mean? <laughs> like, people, like, revering him. And it's just like, he plays a type. Like, whatever. He's not amazing anymore. Like, in light of all of film that has happened since then, like, I can list ten actors that I'd prefer watching easy. Like, wh- stop it. Stop pretending it's 1952 or something. Man. Yeah. This is this is really just from film class. Like, we watched this movie called Roma. Um, It is... Pro- like one of the first Italian new wave films or whatever. And it is post-war stuff. And they're talking about world war two and everything. And in a similar way, like I actually did compare it to zero dark 30 when I, after watching it, like, it's just like, I think this thinks you're more invested in the fact that world war two just happened. So it doesn't bother like making these characters characters. Cause it's like, Oh, they're Nazis. Who cares? You, you hate them. So whatever. And it's just like, yeah, but I don't know. Like, this one betrayed somebody. Like, who are they? What is happening? Like, it doesn't bother explaining that because it assumes you're kind of of this opinion before you saw it. Yeah. And I kind of leveled the same criticism against uh, Casablanca and was, like, just, like, shut down. Like, it's just like, whoa, all right, that's it. There's no wrong answers in class discussion, but saying Casablanca is anything other than amazing, that's a wrong answer kind of thing. Like, it was just like, that's right. That's kind of funny. Yeah, like it's just like I'm. You wait till you hear me talk about The Godfather or whatever. Like it's like there's a whole bunch of movies that don't have like the reputation is preposterous. Like it'll never live up to it. I don't understand where that came from. Like it's just like nostalgia. It's just nostalgia again. Like this has been coming up more and more as a common theme. Like Tarantino has too much nostalgia for crappy movies from the '60s and '70s. Like some people have too much nostalgia for All About Eve or Oscar winners from the '40s and '50s. Or Orson Welles, like dude, dude like dude would have made more good stuff if he was really all that. Eh? What Susan do you Kane. have nostalgia for? I don't know anymore. I guess Day of the Tentacle. Maybe it's terrible. I don't know. I played it when I was in grade two, but <laughs> you know, like I, <laughs> I brought it up earlier as a thing I can still go back to. But yeah, it probably has obtuse logic as well. Like I, I can't tell you anymore because it's like so fused with like what I'm into. So. Like, some electronic music, maybe. Like, that kind of stuff. It's just like, Daft Punk's amazing. And you're just like, eh, I don't know. Some, someone could okay. say that. Well, let me pose a question to you, then, I guess. Is yeah. it more important with media stuff to just be able to enjoy aspects of it or for it to be quote-unquote good? Because nostalgia is all... Like, if you get enjoyment of nostalgia you have for something, what does it matter if it holds up to today's standards? Mm-hmm. They're not... Guess- for you, as, like, if I have nostalgia for The Godfather, I personally don't, but say I did, yeah. and it doesn't hold out to today's standards, like, what does that matter? I don't care if they remake The Godfather, because I have this thing that I love. Like, what do right. I care if it doesn't hold up to some arbitrary standard that people set? Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I'm trying to think, like, like what, what is it you mean, like... Wh- oh, okay, pretty- I, I got a perfect thing for you, then. Okay. Res- Resident Evil 1 on the PlayStation yeah. does not hold up by any standards anymore. Mm-hmm. 
And I still think that's one of the best games I've ever played. So, like, am I wrong just because it's not technically amazing? Like, even though I had all this great time with it, how does that make that any less important? Well, because you're saying, like, relative to its time and console and everything, or what? Or, like, relative. No, just specifically relative to my personal opinion and experience. Like, I don't care if you don't like it. Right. But, like, I guess it'd be... Like, if you're going to go and kind of say, like, no, you kids today, you guys don't understand what's going on. You, you've you never played a real game. Check out this thing. And then when that kid goes and plays it and is like, what are you talking about, old man? This game's terrible. You don't get to get angry. Like, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that's all I mean. Right. Like, that kind of weird generational snob thing that happens where it's just like, well, the stuff I was into was the shit and now you kids today you're all stupid like that's a thing that's been happening forever as near as i can tell like it's like someone was like martin scorsese was in film school he watched uh all these samuel fuller movies really this happened like he watched all these samuel fuller movies shock corridor for example went into movie making with that as kind of his highest standard as what film could be made movies that were way better, in my opinion, and then, like, if I go back and watch Shot Quarter and be like, wow, this is really bad, like, you know, he'll never, like, he'll just be like, what, what are you talking about? How dare you? Blasphemy. But it's all relative, right? So it's just like, he and he can't really self-evaluate his own movies because you can't do that, apparently. I Actually, maybe that's part of the issue I have, is, like, the ego thing. Like, people don't feel comfortable saying when they're doing something good but then if they do they instantly become a blowhard kind of like quentin tarantino did last week you know yeah like it's so weird because like i shouldn't do that but i do because it's like oh no quentin tarantino you don't get to have the opinion that your movies are good someone else will take care of that for you you should constantly be striving to do something better and improve yourself you know don't don't kind of get comfortable but he's he seems to be kind of getting comfortable it's just like Apparently, I'm awesome. And I can't really fault him for feeling that way because a lot of people have been telling him that for, like, 20 years. But it's still just kind of embarrassing to see it happen. Like, that interview was just... Ugh. I I was really disappointed with a lot of parts about it. And... Yeah, that interview's pretty bad. I Like, I'm guessing the thing I'm getting at specifically is I know you've been saying a lot about how lately... You've been going back and you've been trying to denostalgize or whatever term you used. Yeah. And just like take things for what they are without nostalgia behind it. And I guess I'm asking you why? Because like I honestly don't think it matters if there's nostalgia behind something and that paints a different picture because as long as you're happy with it, that should be the most important thing. Well, I guess it's only it only matters if I'm going to purport to kind of well, if it's in, if a legacy is intimidating from someone from doing anything, you mm-hmm. know, like it's just like, oh, I could never live up to those standards, you know. Like, why even make movies because Alfred Hitchcock existed or something? You're just like, well, anybody anybody that does that will never succeed at what they're trying to do anyway. If you're yeah. holding, you're like, if you're not just trying to push yourself to do the best thing you can do. Mm -hmm. then, like, you're not into it at all. If you're looking for excuses, then whatever. I guess the thing I'm trying to get to the bottom of is why are you being so cynical upon stuff you've even loved before? Like, are you not tired of being cynical? Why can't you love stuff again, Nathan? 
I'm trying to like. I don't think I don't love stuff. It's more just like I'm. Tr- I'm trying to be as transparent about like the relativity of me loving it. Like it's just like like that okay. thing that people get annoyed at. Like when you're writing a review or something, it's just like if you like this kind of thing, you'll also like this thing. But I think you kind of need to provide that context, or else people will just keep getting confused. Like it's like if you like this, 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 and this, you'll also probably like this quite a bit. But if you don't, I can't really speak for you because you, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. So this like, sounds like more of your like, crusade really against the critique industry more than the actual products. Well, people saying authoritative, like, things that are tr- aspiring to be objective, like, just doesn't make sense in film, crit- in okay. any kind of criticism. Like, you can't be objective, and you should probably just acknowledge it right out the gate. Like, it's just like... Look, as a kid who grew up playing Atari, Nintendo, and some computer games, I am of the opinion that these things over here are really great, and these things over here are kind of terrible. But you need to know like where I came from before that even matters to you, because there's someone else who grew up playing exclusively, you know, Planescape Torment, and thinks it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. And I just don't, I don't know, you know. Okay. I can't speak. Yeah. To that. Well, I like I've specifically gone on record and saying that maybe take anything I say about anything Resident Evil related ever with a grain of salt because of how much I love the series. Mm -hmm. But like the series, like do do you primarily mean the, the Shinji stuff or like what, like why, why does it get a pass just because it has the name on it? If it's no longer those people or something, or do you not? Because, because of the nostalgia I have with the characters and the dumbass story and everything going behind the scenes, I have a history with it. Okay. So, like, even when Resident Evil 5 comes out and they're the BSAA or whatever, mm-hmm. it still has Chris. And me and Chris, back, like, 15 years before, we were totally buddies trying to get through this fucking mansion with dogs breaking in the window. It's just one of those things that my enjoyment of the past products, which I would which some people would agree were some of the better ones if you're into that sort of type of game. Yeah. Like, that taints everything because I have almost a personal connection with the series going forward. Maybe not so much the movies because they stray so far, but... Whereas I've kind of, like, I've enjoyed aspects of the movies because they seem to kind of reflect on how ridiculous the game can get like specifically the last one there's a there's a point where like two giant monsters with axes show up and that just seems exactly how a video game would up the stakes you know like just like and resident evil 4 even does like at some point there's two trolls and you fight them both and it's just like this is so silly and to see it happen in like a straight-faced way on a movie screen just kind of made it clear how silly it is when you're not actually trolling it you know like it's just like Wow, this is ridiculous. Like, well, Silent is... Hill, right? Yeah, like, seeing it play out on a screen is just like, well, this is, you know, in a lot of ways, hitting the same bullet points, but, wow, this is dumb. You know, like, this is a haunted amusement park, you know? Like, it's just like, that's just so silly. Like, it's just the most on-its-face, creepy place ever. Like, this is the least imaginative thing, somehow. But it was technically executed reasonably well. It just doesn't work that way. It's a video. It's supposed to be a video game. Like that's where, yeah, like I've been trying to think through like, how would you translate the logic of like what a story is doing into gameplay? And a lot of the times it will look really weird the way it'll visually come together in a game. But 
I think it's worth doing instead of basically making a movie with interactive parts of it. Like I'm kind of yeah. wrote, I, I'm at a point now where like cutscenes are kind of the worst thing ever. And I think that's just like part of like, I, I that for some reason didn't affect my enjoyment of metal gear like a year ago, but maybe I couldn't even play that again properly. I'm not sure, but actually, no, I'm going to make a brief kind of, I like the way metal gear and shadow of the Colossus lets you move the camera during cutscenes. I think that's important. You know, like, mm-hmm. like somehow, when you get to press like L1 or R1 or whatever and go in first person as snake in some cutscenes. Or press R2 to zoom in and stuff. Like, yeah. It kind of gives you, it gives up some of its directorial control to the player to screw around with. So you're just like, I'm just going to frame in on Snake's eyeball in this scene. And you're just like, no movie director would ever do that, but who cares? Because you're the director right now and you're doing it. And it's, it's letting you do that. So. I think that's kind of a weird distinction that needs to be made with, like, conventional video game cutscenes, which is pre-rendered static video, and that kind of, like, engaging cutscene that lets you still tinker around a little bit. How do you feel about Mass Effect, which is basically every conversation is a cutscene that you just choose which next part of the cutscene plays? Yeah, like, that's getting into kind of that Walking Dead-type territory where it's a scripted narrative that you're kind of tweaking variables. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like it's that that's getting into weird territory for like I, I guess specifically in Mass Effect, like there are more explicit game systems happening. Like if you've been leveling up essentially your relationship with this character, you can choose this other option. On occasion, that will happen. Like there's a dialogue gameplay system happening. Yeah, um, but if you look great. at the core mechanics, like you could do a YouTube series. With every Mass yeah. Effect option ever, and like it would be an annotation that click here if you want this, and it would load a new YouTube video for the next right. part. And I mean, on the latest Idle Thumbs, they were actually saying that there was a more RPG type dialogue layer in in Walking Dead for a while, but they ended up just taking it out. Like it was, it was yeah. kind of not working out. Like I did just uh, this week, I did pick up the Jurassic Park game they made, Telltale just as kind of, like, research, maybe, into, like, how this... what they've been doing and how they got to this point. Because, like, everyone kind of looks at that game as just this horrible thing that happened. But yeah. I'm wondering if it's really that different or or what. Or if it's, like, without that illusion of choice, even, it just wouldn't be compelling because you're watching a pre-scripted narrative. Like, maybe that's that game's problem is it's like still the old school adventure game like back to the future or something of just there's one story there's only one story everyone can see and it's up to you to unlock it do you want to unlock it no well you won't see it then like if it's if jurassic park is that level of like straightforwardness with walking dead's lack of gameplay i can see that being a problem right because it would just be like the worst of both worlds because it's like yeah the least amount of gameplay and no options at all, like not even like e- not even bottlenecks that are the same, like just nothing. It's literally just a story. Then it's almost like I'm watching a weird Jurassic Park fan video or something. And right. Maybe maybe my, like that's the thing though, because like that's another factor. I have tremendous nostalgia for Jurassic Park the film, so maybe I'll still get something out of it. But I'll have to put an asterisk next to that and write, look, I was like seven. I saw Jurassic Park, I thought it was so scary and awesome, so that's why I think this is worth seeing. If you don't like Jurassic Park, 
you know, disregard everything I say past this period, period, kind of thing, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that, that'll okay. have to be kind of a thing, like, that's why I don't really write reviews at all, like, I, even when I play a thing I feel good about, like, a while ago I was supposed to do a Max Payne 3 review, I don't know, mm-hmm. I, I can't bottle up those thoughts, like, I don't, like, how do I write a review for, like, I felt cool when I was on the boat, and that music <laughs> I felt played. cool shooting that guy that time. Yeah, specifically this one level, I'm on a boat, and, like, that that whole health soundtrack starts playing. It's kind of synthy. And then I was like, had this big pistol. So I was like, I like this pistol. I'm going to keep this pistol throughout the whole level. So if you play the boat level with just this pistol, it's a great game. If you don't, though, make sure you turn the sound down real low and you put on dead mouse at this time. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when playing mirror's edge, play four by four time equals 12. And there you go. Then you'll have a better time. Make sure you start the first track exactly when you jump off this ledge. Yeah. Yeah. Like, make my own kind of weird fan guide to Mirror's Edge. And it's like, that's why I gave this game a 10. You know, like, it's just... But see, in that regard, you could do that. Just make sure you have, like, capture equipment hooked up and do a video review with that as a background. Because then you could just be, like, talking on the video review. And then you could be like, I mean, look how cool this is. Cut to the part you're talking about right i think that's kind of a thing i've been thinking of like video games are so much harder to kind of like just like you see a movie there's only so many interpretations you can really have and like you can describe that experience because everyone had a two and a half hour experience for the most part like i still like bringing in that kind of extra context sometimes like it's like i really liked 21 jump street because i just had a great meal and i was hanging out with my friends therefore given that scenario this movie's great whereas like you know that might not be happen or like i don't like zombie land very much because dudes were yelling at me behind the behind me <laughs> the, ruined the whole the ruined the whole thing there was these idiots there um like that that can still happen like that can still impact the experience but with a video game like it's just like it's it's weird cuz like it's expected that it's like longer than one would normally spend in one sitting, right? So it's not like a movie at all. So it's like, there's been reviewers this past week playing Nino Kuni and just like hammering through it, you know? Yeah. And it's such a weird, like, it's like probably no one who buys this game other than like rabid fans are going to play it this way. So, and plus they don't have the extra incentive of I'm going to get paid money after I finish it. So I need to finish it. You know, like there's going to be a lack of drive just inherent in their experience. So I don't know if your appraisal of it will kind of take that into account. It's like, does it actually hook the player or were you inherently hooked because of your whole job? So you had to play it and then you found out like, yeah, there's actually some really good parts at hour 25 and hour 32 and hour 40. There's some really great stuff there, but it's like. Well, if what if hours one through sixteen are kind of bad and you just can't really relay that because you don't you didn't really think about it because you didn't have an option, you know? Like, there's been a lot of forgiveness of bad openings for a while. Like Skyward Sword apparently has a terrible introductory chapter. Like it's just slow as all get out and really really tiresome. I found Sleeping Dogs kind of unplayable. Like I just hated it. I just was. All like, you have to say is Final Fantasy Thirteen because the game doesn't open up for like twenty to thirty hours. 
I know, and then, like, to still have people who had to go through that horrible arc, like, here's where, here's where podcasting kind of ruins reviews for me, is because, like, I heard, a re- okay, like, l- let's be transparent, I'm talking about Brad Schumacher again, I apologize. I know, um, I know you are, you're always talking about Brad Schumacher, it's like you're obsessed he, with him. <laughs> it's reviews, they're, they're weird to me, because they seem to, like, not reflect thoughts, it's strange, like, it's like, in the first, like, listening to the podcast that came out during the time he was reviewing Final Fantasy thirteen, it's like, yeah. oh, man, this dude hates this game. Like, he hates it. Because, like, he just doesn't even want to play it. Like, there's just so many problems. But then, after beating it, it's like, well, actually, it's pretty good. So it's like, how can you say that? But it's because at hour, like, 28 or something, it opens up, and you are trusted with all the mechanics and stuff, and then it gets really fun. But... That yeah. should never forgive that horrible first, like, it's such a weird thing to expect any consumer to put up with. Like, it's like, uh, the first four seasons of this show aren't very good, but then it gets really good. Like, that's just a weird thing. I would never expect that of someone. Like, it's like, well, you know I, what it is. It's like paying for the blue, when Blu-rays were new, paying for a movie that you haven't seen yet for the 36 to $40. Mm-hmm. And then just finding out that the last 15 minutes, totally awesome. But the other two hours and a half terrible so it's like one of these things that like how do you excuse something for a good little portion when you have to go through garbage to get to it right and like it's just been happening more and more like it's just like people look at the whole experience as like overall it's worthwhile and i like i mean i guess like i feel that way about Mad Men. like i don't think the first season of Mad Men's very good but after that it gets really amazing but I, I don't know, like, f- with video games, it just, maybe it just happens too often. It's almost like every experience has that qualifier on it. Like, it's just like, you, once you get past the first, like, five hours of Kingdom Hearts 2, it's really good. Yeah. I don't know. That's five hours. Like, that's like, I could watch, you know, Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, and then Looper, and I've had two extraordinary experiences in the same amount of time, and you're telling me I need to, like, muscle through it? Like, really? And then, like, and then if the reward after that five hours isn't amazing, I'll feel even more ripped off. Like it's just like, really, this was the big payoff you guys were talking about. Like when the Disney characters hang out with the Square guys. Like, what? Yeah. I could don't... it also be maybe the time commitment you have to put into a video game? Like with a movie, you could fast forward if you want, or whatever. With a TV series, like I could skip season one of Mad Men completely. Absolutely. But to get to the good part of Final Fantasy thirteen, I have to sit my ass down and play 20 hours of a game I don't want to fucking play. Absolutely. Like, th- that's the thing. I, that's kind of where I think this whole Let's Play thing is getting, like, where that makes sense. Because it's just like, well, let me see what it is. Like, I'm going to fast forward and see some of this game. Oh, I don't like this. You know, like, you can make that, you can make that enough, like, enough of that distinction secondhand. It's just like, oh, well, this thing everyone's raving about. I saw that part. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's worthwhile. Like Spec Ops, I don't think that was worthwhile for the not so fun time I was having. You know, probably like that game still gets brought up a lot, and like I don't know. I I I I'd probably agree that overall it's not worthwhile. Like this is kind of where I tripped up on Saints Row the Third too. Like. It's just like that opening those opening missions aren't good, but everyone says Decker's Die is really amazing. But that happens way later in the game and I'm just like Decker's I, Die happens about an hour later 
if you do just story missions, it's not a huge deal. But, like, I don't think that was your type of game. Maybe it was just the time you played with it or whatever, because I fell in love with it from the get-go. Like, one of the first missions is basically jumping out of a plane to jump yeah. into another plane's windshield and take a bunch of dudes out. I like, know. that's I, the type that of stuff, stuff I love. Just like, okay. Like, it just bounced off or something. I, right, so it just wasn't for you either way, and Decker's Die wouldn't have been any different just because it was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, man, Sleeping Dogs, same thing. Like, it's just like open world crime games have been getting kind of a weird pass. I feel for just being like, dude, it lets you do so much stuff, and so it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, only if you're interested in doing these things. Like, do you want to drive cars and kill people? If not, I got. Wait, what do you mean? Aren't you a cop? You're a cop, and you can kill. Why would you? Why would you drive cars and kill people? Like innocent people? Yeah, it totally lets you do that. It doesn't care at all. It docks you like a couple dollars if you do it. That was kind of a weird sticking point for me. I brought this up on top-down perspective as being like probably my biggest issue with the game is like the core conceit of the story is you are an undercover cop, yet none of the actual gameplay reflects that you're a cop pretty much at all like the story i guess has like a slow descent deeper and deeper into crime but from minute one you're kind of killing people in a way that i felt was like just like this is ridiculous like this is not what i would do if i was a cop and even for a while i was like fine i'm gonna play this as though i was a cop and i'm gonna be really careful and drive carefully and do all that stuff i did in gta 4 where i was like well i'm gonna try to play this straight but then, like, one of the first missions was, like, all right, drive to these three different gang hideouts and, like, stab a bunch of people. And I was just like, I don't want to do this at all. I don't want to do it. So, and then I died. This is, this. okay, I died. The game says you died on the screen, and then I woke up in a hospital. That's just Great. terrible. Like, the, think before you <clears throat> do any, like, make your game. All right? What are you doing? Developers? Like, they I, just. I'm, I'm not making a game. I'm sorry. I'll I know. think before I make one, though. Okay, good. Then you'll ha- you'll be way you'll be streets ahead of Sleeping Dogs and the <laughs> team that made that game because they just screwed up, bro. I, I don't know. And yeah. like, it's fr- like, all of this is fresh right now because like I've been kind of playing through games that people were raving about, and it's just like, what are you guys on about? I I don't know. But yeah, Skyrim. That game seems pretty good, and it lets you do stuff right away. Um, Dragon's Dogma has that weird Japanese issue where it's like, we're going to tutorialize you quite a bit for like two hours. So I still haven't gotten over that hump yet, but I'm hoping the other side of that, that hill is nice and grassy. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the time commitment. The time commitment games demand just kind of casually without really thinking about it is definitely starting to wear, like, just to wear me out. Like, it's just like... Show me the thing that you guys are doing that is of interest right away, please, or just go away. Like, you can't just pretend that this is okay design yeah. to have, like, 10 hours of kind of garbage and then have a really cool thing. Like, I, it, that doesn't work. Just, I, I don't know. I can't do that anymore. I, I, yeah. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Does price come into it at all for you too? Because Sleeping Dogs is like still a sixty dollars game, right? Well, I paid thirty for it, but like, it is kind of weird to me that I paid thirty dollars for experience I felt was way worse than games I played paid ten dollars for. 
you know, like... So, and like, that, is that something that you take into consideration, or is that just kind of the final kick in the nuts after you try it out? Yeah, no, that, that, that wasn't really, like, the thing I was thinking about. It's like, man, I spent this much money on it. Like, that wasn't the thing. It was, it's more just, like, I don't enjoy the time I'm spending right now. I would rather spend this time doing X number of other things. Like, I'd rather watch this movie or watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia some more. Whatever. Masturbate on a My Little Pony doll. No, I saw a video of that happening though, and it was really unpleasant. So I I saw it too. <laughs> yeah, thanks Twitter. Why why would you link me to that guy? Oh. <laughs> That's really funny. I know people complaining about weird freaky <clears throat> fans are the only way I've seen those freaky fans. So you're you're part of the problem. Just ignore them, please. <laughs> that video had ten thousand views. Stop it. You're feeding the worst parts of everything. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Also, in my absence, you guys were talking about the the pony situation with the... Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, marry, kill thing. I can't believe yeah. I didn't put Fluttershy in the top three. It's just weird, but whatever. Anyway, we don't need to revisit it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just weird. It's just I can't believe I didn't put Fluttershy in the top three. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Pinky, really. I that would get insufferable, but you're right. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> this is how times change, right? Opinions and moods, ec- ec- like ebb and flow. Uh, okay, so what's the three now? Um, it's pro- uh, it's probably still Kill Rainbow Dash for the reasons that were before, where that's just like a funny in joke fan thing. Um, Hot Diggity Demon. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, shed and everything. Um, so yeah, now it is. Uh, I, I fuck Pinkie Pie, Mary Fluttershy. <laughs> it's an update. Oh. I know, I know, but had okay. To keep... So I got to fu- wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. We're taking this whole podcast to a halt for two seconds. Oh no! While I grab my pencil. Mm-hmm. Make a note, pinky <laughs> pie. Yeah, winking for the show picture. Great. Um, okay. What else happened this week? What have you been doing this week? I've been talking a lot. Um, there's more things I did, but I, I don't. Need oh, to you want to hear about what I've been doing? Yeah, what's going on, Paul? I... I have booked an interview with different people every day this week. I've been editing podcasts to make sure they go up on time, and I've been rolling out a new layout for the site. Oh, man. So you've been coding up a storm, or? Uh, stuff failing a lot and trying to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not It's not going well, but I'm hoping that we have better social media integration coming. And, like a static bar sort of thing so you'll always see a main menu on one side no matter what page you're on and that sort of thing there's some basic ideas of what's going on with that um also e3 stuff was submitted Uh that was done and um some other stuff i won't talk about live yet okay i've I've been working on stuff but the problem is things i do i scrap Mm-hmm. Because I don't feel they're up to a quality I like, which is why I like working with people on stuff, because they're usually either helpful in telling me what I could fix to make it better, 
or they will just force me to push it out. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So stay that's, tuned for. I'm. I mean, that's what I've been doing. I like. I'm just trying to think of what I've been playing. Yeah, I want to say more Far Cry Three, but not really. I haven't really been playing much games at all, actually. Mm-hmm. But like, even within the context of like a game's options or whatever. Sorry, just to get briefly back to like the relativity thing. Like, someone could conceivably turn off the soundtrack in Far Cry Three, um, turn off the notifications now thanks to the patch and everything, and have a completely like an experience I might actually want to have as opposed to the one I saw video of. You know. Well, the music in Far Cry 3 is ridiculous because I don't want to be walking around in a jungle with music coming in and out. I want it to be kind of silent and to hear the ambient noise of, like, the animals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I want to be more immersed in it. And when you hear music when there's dudes closer by and stuff like that, that's just terrible. Music Here's... in a open environment is just stupid. Here's the thing I just don't understand why others haven't borrowed from Rockstar or something. Diegetic audio where music only comes out of car stereos, you know? Like, you can have yeah. dumb dubstep in your game, but have it be a gameplay thing where it's just like, oh, shit, I hear stupid beats. That means there's a Jeep patrolling over here, so I'm going to avoid the highway or something. Well, let's even look at Metal Gear Solid 4 iPod. Yeah. At least, oh, you mean, like, even if you want music playing over a thing, have a reason for it yeah because you have an you literally have an ipod in that game and you like pick up different tracks and stuff if you want to listen to music the basic idea is that snake has little headphones in and he's listening to music yeah i guess yeah. that's another way to do it too like actually that's the same thing really just have a reason for your music in the thing other than just there's magic music playing over the game i don't know like at least if you're going for immersion, if you're not, like, if it's just, like, a party thing or, like, a platformer where you're running and jumping, like, you might as well have something. But I was playing Cannibal, too. I also played more Crunch. Um, I think I'm in the last five levels. It gets hard. What do you think of that game? I do like it. Um, yeah. Um, but I haven't finished the one playthrough yet. There, there was a huge stretch, though, where there was just no checkpoint for a while. And I was like, oh, man, this is this is getting crazy. Like, I just want to have that save so I know I've made it. Um, so I can turn I, it off and relax for a bit. For a bit, yeah. I, I kind of like that it it kind of forces you to keep going for a bit that way. Like, it's just like, I'm, I'm halfway towards the next thing. I have to keep going. I have to. So that's yeah. kind of a neat way to kind of goose you through the game, but... Yeah, it does get kind of stressful in a weird way. I haven't returned to it since getting to that last part. I th- there's four areas, right? Uh, how many levels are there per area? I don't know. I want to say ten, but... I want to say oh. more than that, though. Okay. Like I, wa- I want to say twenty, maybe. There's like a hundred levels. Maybe it is twenty, and... And that five areas. Why it seemed so long, because I was like, I swear I've done five stages. Where's the next checkpoint? And then it was, it seemed like quite a while before I actually hit that checkpoint. But um, yeah, yeah I definitely did two more bosses. I also kind of like that you don't kill the bosses; you just escape. You know, they're still yeah, bad. You're running from them. They're way too powerful for you to deal with. Like, there's no turnaround there. <laughs> there's no empowerment. It's just you gotta go. Um. Well, and, there's no yeah. environment at all because you're constantly dying and 
being able to boost kills you. Mm-hmm. And since talking to them, like it, it, that kind of ambiguity as to whether you're underwater or just floating, like there's definitely some levels where you're clearly not, but then there's others where I swear you are. So I don't know. Like there's bubbles yep. or something, man. But then yep, I know there's one boss battle where there's like all these waterfalls flowing. So I was like, oh, yep. well, I'm clearly floating around on this one. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. But either way, um, I do like that there's no jumping and stuff, and it does have some some cool style to it and everything. So overall, yeah, I'm I'm generally a fan. Great of music too. Mm-hmm. Uh, who did the music? Actually, do you know? Is the yeah, it the, was a uh, disaster piece. The guy that did, did Fez and uh, Mike Lowhouse, one of the creators. Okay. So like the disaster piece guy does more of a chiptune style, and Mike added an industrial twinge to it. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah, which I think works. The super version of that is coming out next month. But when's that one going up? Has that gone up yet? That is episode eight. Episode okay. six is going up tomorrow as of this recording. Okay. I guess I've also been listening to some Infinite Ammo podcasts um, because you mentioned yeah. them. Yeah. Um, so I listened to Emin McMillan, the discussion with him. That was a really good discussion. Derek Yu, which was very long, and that was okay, though. Because they worked together on Aquarius, so they had a lot to talk about. Um, And I just started listening to the Calvin French one just to see what other things that guy has said elsewhere. Um, Yeah, he's he's definitely the same person everywhere, it seems. Um... I, I guess I was kind of struck how great it is. Like they're talking, he's talking to them before they've really done anything. Like, yeah. so it's like Super Meat Boy is about to come out, but it's not out yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, and... Super Meat Boy was done, but mm-hmm. they weren't out yet. And Ed, uh, he even asked him a little bit about uh, Indie Game, the movie and how it was working with those guys. Mm hmm. Um, and Derek, you like Spunky was like a year <laughs> off for something like the HD version. So yeah. it's kind of in the midst of doing other stuff or whatever. And like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of neat to see, like talking to these now indie champions before they became as such. Um, I guess for anybody that's wondering what we're talking about, infinite ammo, exactly how it sounds. Dot CA. Uh, it's based, they, the dude there's name Alec. And he was one half that worked on Aquari- Aquaria back in 2007, which got a lot of recognition. I guess he's working on a game called Marion right now. He's working on Marion right now, but he also does uh, Unity demos and stuff like that. He does uh, like instructional things for Unity for developers as well. Mm. And uh, really awesome dude. He What they do at Infinite Ammo, they do a podcast talking to indie devs, and they've been doing it for a while. So like Nathan was saying, they talked to Edmund McMillan before Super Meat Boy came out and like a bunch of people before their games came out, and they started really hitting it big. They Infinite Ammo is directly responsible for our indie talks, so I wanted to give them a good shout-out. I look like there's 18 episodes, so it's it's been kind of as there are people to talk to. It looks like it's not a regular schedule, yeah. and because the dude actually makes games, so like yeah, he's a developer as well. Yeah. Um, I haven't played Aquaria. Have you ever played it? <clears throat> I never played it either. I do remember hearing about it back then, though. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Anthony Birch at Destructoid said some good stuff about it 
Because he was the indie guy. I find myself weirdly annoyed with Anthony Birch now, though. Why is that? I watched a Hey Ash, What's Your Plan video and thought it was really not funny. Which Um, one? Oh, they were playing NBA Jam, I think. Um, Okay. There was a baby. Oh, Like, he wanted a co-op player or whatever, so he had a kid so he could play or something. I I don't know. It wasn't like it was in poor taste. I just thought it was Mm. stupid. Um, Yeah, that one was pretty bad. Did you see the domestic abuse one? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Watch the one for Geometry Wars. Okay. Yeah, that's that one. I think it it was... uh, Also, I listened to a few episodes of their show. Um, hey Ash, what you play in the podcast? And they they similarly kind of like talk to developers, like they talked to Brendan <laughs> Chung, the uh, dude behind Thirty Flights of Loving, and Adam Zombie Smasher. I played that this week actually too. Um, okay, which is very very different from the other stuff I've seen of his. Um, but but anyway, I, I guess I can elaborate after. But it's like like all the time, Anthony Burch is talking. He just hates himself so much. And I don't like hearing that. Like, it's just like, just have confidence at this point. You've done a thing. What are you doing? Like, he's constantly self-depreciating all the time to the point where it's just, this guy has the lowest self-esteem in the world, and I don't know why, because he has no reason to anymore. Just, ugh. Like, I don't enjoy listening to him talk. It's just like, stop it. Just stop it. Like, like he does the exact thing I've been saying I'm annoyed with happening now. Like, he reveres something so much that he can't possibly live up to this weird, impossible standard in his head. So it's just like, right. all the guys at Valve, they're absolute geniuses. And you're just like, they've kind of made some lame campaigns here and there. You're allowed to say that, you know? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why he has to be so congrats, like congratulatory to everyone else all the time and then just, like, so down on himself. Like, it's just Especially weird. when everybody that likes Borderlands 2 likes the writing as one of the major aspects of it, which was all him. Yeah, or, well, like, and some people did take issue with, like, the m- amount of meme business in there, but that seems to be kind of his comedy anyway, mm-hmm. so, like, it yeah. seems to work, so just in- embrace the fact that it works and you're not as terrible as you think, or I don't know, or maybe it's just a shtick at this point. I'm not sure. Like, maybe, I- have you ever seen his reverence? No. Okay, so you need to go on YouTube when we're done, mm-hmm. and you need to look up Rev, R-E-V, Rants. Okay. I think you might gain more of an appreciation. Basically, you know the stuff you talk about, about indie games, and like, well, I mean, random stuff about the video game industry that annoys mm-hmm. you? Yeah, okay. he was doing that years ago in videos. Okay. Like, he, he so. was actually, like, despite Idle Thumbs talking about it all the time, he was actually the window into Far Cry 2 for me because he was talking about Odd Toy a lot. Um, yeah, uh, what was it now? I think he played that game to completion 13 times now in his life. Yeah, and he was trying to do the that special playthrough where you don't die. You know, if you die, you consider yourself having failed and start over. And know? he did a GDC talk about the importance of certain things in video games using that as his main thing to talk about right so like he's definitely done stuff i found interesting it's just like i i I don't know like that aspect of like the way he talks to other people like even in in the interview with brendan like he's just so like 
man, you're like the most amazing person in the whole world ever. And it's just like, I, I mean, 30 foot eleven was okay. Like, why do you, why do you got to hyperbolize? Like, it's just, yeah, it's kind of short. And I got talking to you and Sean, not everyone likes it, <laughs> you know, like, I was going to say, I have no interest in that game at all. It doesn't look like something I would enjoy very much. Okay, like, yeah, even, like, even to be clear, like, me playing it, it was 90% of what I was getting out of it was just, like, thought exercises on storytelling. Like, just, like, why don't games experiment with storytelling kind of like this, but, you know, maybe with a better story. You know, like, be kind of like the half, you know, half praise, half kind of not so much like it's like yeah that like it's still really short i can't really just dismiss it for that like if you're gonna make a hyper scripted thing like this it's obviously gonna demand a lot of just polishing and the result isn't very long so like that's where adam zombie smasher is weird because like it's a completely different thing it is like a systems driven board game kind of thing slash strategy game like Mm -hmm. there's an overworld map with like all these different missions and the zombies are infecting everywhere, and you kind of go in, and you're playing basically an evacuation squad. Um, so parts of it kind of reminded me of uh, what, the last guy. The, okay. Uh, it's a PSN game. It's yeah. It has some ties to the work time fun staff, so that's why I wanted to play it. But um, yeah, it, you kind of specify a place where the helicopter is going to come to pick people up. Um, thing that I don't really like is they seem to kind of just randomly assign squad units for you like it's just like in this one you have snipers uh the helicopter obviously um a mortar cannon and i don't even know what what a what's a useless fourth thing that would be totally useless oh um like like a dynamite or something and you're just like okay, I really would rather have military units on the ground. And it's just like, yeah, well, you don't get that in this one. Like, it just seems arbitrary. Like, it's it, like you don't have this here because gameplay demands it. I don't know. Like, and that's where I kind of was annoyed with it. Because it's just like, well, I can't beat the stage because I don't have the things I want. I got comfortable with these things, and then you gave me garbage. All right. But I guess it's kind of a puzzle game that way, too. Um, and I didn't yeah. really realize, like the missions I'm choosing to select on the overscreen are extremely important in terms of how the infection spreads. So I've basically screwed up this playthrough already, but I guess it's supposed to be kind of like a strategy type turn-based thing where, well, no, you kind of set up the pieces and then press play kind of like a gratuitous space battles type thing and then see how it plays out. And then you do it again and refine your strategy. It's okay. Okay. I, I, I mainly appreciate like, if if there's something I will definitely say, like Blended Games does really well, it it seems to appreciate that the wide spectrum of difference you can get in a video game, like strategy game, highly focused first person narrative thing, like that's pretty different. So okay, so zero dark thirty flights of loving. Mm-hmm. That's that's the, where they have to go. Oh, uh, but then it's like a first person. It's basically a movie. Like, it almost is a movie, 30 Flights yeah. of Loving. And, like, Gravity Bone, like, it's like you're pl- you're playing as an actor in a movie, essentially, which is kind of cool. Like, it's a new perspective on that whole thing. Like, I, I actually liked Gravity Bone a bit more in terms of how it ended anyway. But, 
it's yeah, like I still think it's a bit hyperbolic. Like it's it's clear where a lot of these storytelling devices are coming from. They're from movies, and that's a good mm-hmm. place to pull from. You should probably incorporate a lot of stuff from movies because it's a very similar in a lot of ways. But you need to kind of translate it and everything. And he's doing that, but it's not. It's like I, I don't know. It it's not the newest like. Hyperbole. It's just hyperbole. A lot of hyperbole is going on all around. And, <laughs> okay. You know, I can I can let that happen, but I'm just gonna kind of point at it and say that's hyperbole, yo. When's the last time? Like, okay, like I I thought Rise of Planet of the Apes was really fantastic. I would not mind if someone said you're being hyperbolic, Nathan, because that's probably true. You know that is. Well, high- you shouldn't mind it because I think every single person that you've ever talked to at that point in your life said that. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't really. Like, that was the weird thing. Is, like, I almost made people feel bad about not liking it. By liking it so <laughs> okay. much. So Which, you should get a job in video game PR then. Or something, yeah. It was just like... I, I And you could be re- making the giant zombie tits tattoo thing. Zombie The zombie tit? bait. Zombie the zombie bait. bait edition of that... Uh, Oh right, Dead Island. Oh right, we we talked about that on Top Down Perspective, but yeah, that was a thing. Dead Island you should be making those. Um, in its defense, I guess it sure got a lot of people talking about the game, so they won. Yeah, totally. By being offended, got everybody helped spread the word. So mm. you know, huh? They played you. Played like a fiddle, fiddle or whatever, man. Okay, were you offended by that, or is that just? Was I offended by it? Yeah. No, in fact, if it was a little less ridiculous in some <clears throat> proportions, mm-hmm. I would probably buy it because I like horror memorabilia crap like that. But it's just so obvious mm-hmm. what they're going for there. Like, I was talking to John a little bit about this, too, and even the name is kind of weird because it's kind of playing on the whole, like, masturbate idea, but then also at the same time, almost just calling gamers zombies that only care about blood and tits, so it's the zombie bait edition. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, everything about it is just weird, and it seems like if I were to ever get something like that, it would be from a pawn shop for, like, ten bucks. I would not pay money directly to support ideas like that because it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it, though? Were you offended? No, not exactly. I could see why just... people would be. Yeah, like it. I I guess it was it was kind of just a weird thing because it's like, well, you can still do that in the game, so yeah. it's not like they fixed the problem by kind of shouting down this purported project or whatever. Like it's it's almost like the problem wasn't so much that there was sexism happening. It's more like they were kind of being cluelessly proud of it, you know? Like, it's just kind yeah. of like, well, we saw our fans really enjoyed chopping up, like, zombie ladies and holding their torsos around, Um, so we decided to make a statue of it. And it's just like, that's so weird, because, like, that's the grossest weird thing ever, but it's not so much that it's in there, it's more just that you thought it was cool or something. Like, that's that's kind of what bothered people about it. Um, and like I, I don't mean, think it's, it's also allowed just... to bother you. You have that Catherine pillow, right? 
Yeah, we did talk about weird special edition stuff. I I did pull that down and look through it again. That art book has some amazing double entendre imagery too. It's just like well, I'm eating this I pizza. Just... <laughs> oh, I spilled ice cream all over my face. There's like, all right. I remember I... talking to you when Catherine came out and you got the edition with the pillow and stuff, and I think I made reference to you cutting a hole in it or something. I didn't do that, but. <laughs> I do wear those boxers and t-shirt quite regularly, though. Like, that's just fun items. That's, that's cool totally. stuff. Totally, yeah. That's Vincent Cosplay right there. It's easy. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> dopey, like, dumb, stupid, and, yeah, dopey promotional items are totally kind of standard now. This, yeah, this one, I guess it also just plays into the larger narrative that's been happening about games being incredibly sexist and everything, which we've we've had our own conversation about. And mm. I, I've I've been hearing more about Samus and stuff brought up lately, and Tomb Raider and everything. Um, yeah, that's still an unresolved thing. Yeah. Although I will say, like, it kind of works out when it just lets you play as your own custom character. Like my character in Dragon's Dogma is a woman, and it's like fine because the game's kind of written as neutral as possible as a result of that. So it's not condescending ever it's just like whatever yeah my character in dark souls is female yeah so that kind of game where like the character's gender literally isn't a factor at all that's fine that's kind of what we thought mass effect was where they kind of wrote for both but then that might not be true in some cases which i think we have to look deeper into that before we start making declarative statements on that though because i honestly don't know for myself that that's true I heard that on the internet. I know, I heard it too, but the internet, yo. I know, it's not the most reliable source of information, so maybe... The internet wrong. bends information depending on what th- the people saying it want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, um... I'm trying to... Just, yeah. I, w- I watched Fellowship of the Ring, dude. Um, Good movie, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. The, I it was the extended edition. Um, I guess I I was just thinking like they, in the Tolkien adaptations, they expanded the female characters like Arwen's in it more and stuff. But that doesn't matter. Yeah. If that's bothering you, that's just weird because the, they had a completely disposable male character ride Frodo from where he got stabbed to Rivendell or whatever. Might as well put Arwen in there. That literally doesn't change anything. Um, sure. But, yeah, watching the extended edition for the first time, I guess, overall, I did like most of the stuff they added. Like, have you seen the four-hour cut or whatever? Like, I have when it came out, so I don't remember of what they added and what's not in the movie. Okay. Um, I guess this is probably in light of just The Hobbit being fresh in everyone's minds right now and everything. Um, yeah, I, I loved Fellowship of the Ring when it first came out. Like, I, played, I watched it nine times. I thought it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> I still generally feel really, really good about it. Um, in terms of what they added, I guess for the most part, it doesn't change much. It's just kind of like, hey, you know, we, we went a little more into Gimli, like what he's thinking, and like sort of his racism, weirdly about elves. Like they kind of deal with that a little, a little more. Um, yeah. And oh, what else? That there's like a whole kind of them getting introduced, like there's a bit of journey before they actually get to the Gladriel's place. That's, that's a little thing. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, what is the more significant... There was another character that just seemed to not get much play. Like, there, there's a couple little remarks from Pippin and stuff and Murray that, that wasn't in there. I guess... I, I can't remember what the, the main one was. There was, there was one whole character bit. Oh, yeah, 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 no, no, sorry. <laughs> the whole thing between Boromir and Aragorn was probably the best addition because it's kind of okay. like really setting the stage for like, yo, Aragorn's the king and he's important as kind of a thing. Like, they make that much clearer in this one and it's like better setting up the third movie. And they also give Boromir kind of a better arc because in the, in the original cut, he's just kind of like a, like a dirtbag. Like, he's just like, why would he turn on him like that? That sucks. And then he feels bad about it and still fights valiantly, but then still dies. But you just don't yeah. get as much depth to any of that. Whereas here, it's like, there's much more of him in Gladriel's place being really troubled about Gondor and the reputation of his city and, like, the world of men kind of crumbling and, like, and him feeling really self-conscious about being thought of as greedy and self-serving and whatever. He's just like, I'm just trying to, you know, I got this legacy with the city. I'm trying to help and all this stuff. My dad's back there. Like, it just gives him more character, and I was really, really happy with that stuff. Um... To the point where, I, like, overall, I still really approve of the longer cut. They did kind of weird out, like, kind of wonk the pacing a bit on one action scene I really love. The cave troll bit. Which one? Oh, yeah, yeah. The cave troll action scene is, like, like so great. Like, the way they set it up and everything, like, that's... I'll put that in a similar category as, like, the Matrix lobby scene or something. It's just, like, fantastic special effects showcase of awesomeness. Like, it's just like choreography really- and everything, yeah. Yeah, it's just really tight. It's awesome. Here, though, there's like a couple little moments that kind of pad out that scene and put a little character moments in the fight. They're just like, I don't think you need that right now. Like, there's a little exchange of glances between Aragorn and Boromir during the fight where it's just like, hey, I got your back kind of thing. There's like a couple jokier things with the hobbits and whatever. And it's just like, this I don't need. Like this is like ten seconds maybe of footage, but it's just kind of throwing off the pacing I so appreciated about this fight. So yeah, eh. nitpicky I know, but I mean I saw it a lot of times, so it's all ingrained in my brain now. It's all up there. Yeah. Um. It's all there. It's all there. All right. <laughs> oh wait, no, dude, we need to talk about the last stand. Okay. Yeah. What do you want to say about it? Because I didn't see it, and we have a review going live tomorrow of it on Pixel Response. Okay. I don't know what Matt thought of it. Um, There is a bit of a mediocre response going on right now. I generally had a pretty good time. I will say I was a bit disappointed with, like, the direct direct direction didn't have as much flair as I was hoping, coming from the I Saw the Devil dude. You know? Like, that, that dude has some talents. And those this didn't seem to come into play that often. Like there, there was some stylish bits here and there, but I guess if I had like one major issue, it's just the villain isn't charismatic at all. Really? Like, so Peter Stormare is there is kind of like this henchman bad guy and he's kind of fun, but the main guy, I don't know who he is. He's like just some Spanish actor. He's, He's been in stuff for a while, but he's not really a name or anything. And he's given, like, scenes where he's supposed to be saying all this villainous dialogue and doing evil things and whatever. And it just doesn't, it just, did. I don't know, it just didn't pop. It just didn't do what it was supposed to. Um, however, a whole chapter of that movie is basically a Need for Speed movie. 
So okay. that sounds interesting to you. There's basically a supercar that is driving and evading the police, and it is a souped-up Corvette that's driving like 200 miles an hour. Um, I'm in. Yeah, like that that part of it's kind of neat. Um, the end action stuff is all kind of action comedy type business, so that's okay. Um, but yeah, I, like, I don't really know how it stacks up to other Schwarzenegger movies. Like, it's probably all depending on how much you revere those or regard them or whatever. Like, again, total relativity. So if you thought Eraser was awesome, maybe you won't like this one that much because he's older <laughs> yeah. and slower. And they joke around. What if I think Jingle All the Way is the best Schwarzenegger movie? You might like this one, because I like that okay. movie. And I, I love that movie. I watched it again this Christmas, and I thought it was okay. So, yeah, this has a lot of comedy in it. There's a whole kind of, like, there's a tense chase bit, but with souped-up supercars in, like, a cornfield. And okay. something about that was just, like, goofy in a fun way. Like, I just liked that setting for a chase. It was just a weird place to have a car chase. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Overall, I felt money well spent. I had a decent time. It's doing terribly at the box office right now, though. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not, apparently people don't want to see or old Arnold Schwarzenegger do anything. But I don't know. It it was okay. Uh, Louise Guzman has some great bits. Um, yeah, he's probably he's probably kind of one of the standouts. Forrest Whitaker's okay. Yeah. No, nothing special though. It's very like cable, like action movie. Like this, this would be on at home on television or something. But if you're an Schwarzenegger fan, just go out there, man. Show your support. He's yeah. he's done okay. I, he did all right. I think one of the opening lines of Matt's review is something like, "I wish there was a section in the theater in which they allow you to remove your mind for a bit because this is mindless fun," mm-hmm. or something like that. Like a dumb so bit. It's, yeah, it seems like he enjoyed it, but he, with the caveat that you shouldn't be expecting anything but a Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah, there's some stupid business for sure, um, specifically like in how like this this one plot thing wraps up. It doesn't matter. Um, there's one really weird, creepy scene, I guess. Like, there's kind of this weird interrogation scene that might be the most like like Kim Ji Woon's talents coming to bear, maybe. Like, it's just, like, odd. Something about it's a little off-putting. Um, just the way they talk to this guy. I, I, I might be over-analyzing that scene or something, but I thought it was kind of neat. Um, Over-analyze you? That's yeah, not I, right. I, maybe not. You're, you're right. Battleship but. best movie of the year. Basically, Contact 2. Best movie of the year for the stuff they didn't do. It's like a jazz song, that movie. You gotta look at the notes they didn't play. Right. So that movie wouldn't be hard. Like if I, if we could just recut it, we could make a really interesting movie. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I guess you you gotta go or something. Well, no, that's that's all I got for this oh. week. I have to do some yeah. reading film class. I guess maybe I can better explain my Casablanca thoughts next time in that class. All right, and hopefully next time we'll have Matt on too. Yeah. Did you ever see Casablanca, dude? Like a long, long time ago when I was too young to care. Okay, maybe I was too young to care, too, but I'm, I'm also, like, maybe it's just an old movie that's old. So, yeah. That might be a factor, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, with that, visit us, 
visit us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the pixel response. Email is podcast at pixel dash response.com. Twitter is pixel underscore response. You can get me at exposure, E X F A U X S U R E. You can get Nathan at Krasnor, K R A Z N O R. Uh, listen to us on Stitcher if you don't want to download the episodes. You can just stream it and it's low bandwidth. They do all their voodoo magic and make it great without wasting all your bandwidth on your mobile device so go ahead and do that if you do give us the thumbs up or listen to us on itunes we're on itunes now so go ahead and look us up give us reviews do all that sort of stuff if you want but as always visit pixel-response.com for more including a review of the last stand which when you're hearing this anytime but when we're recording this right now so this doesn't include any of you guys in the chat room right now but there is a review for The Last Stand up, and I'm just trying to think what else. Uh, Indie Talks. By the time you hear this, Indie Talks will have been out for two days, so go listen to that. I talk alone. Unfortunately, Nathan wasn't with me to uh, Benjamin Rivers, creator of Home. So that was kind of interesting, but we'll be back next time. So thanks a lot, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye.